This podcast is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. If you want more information, go to ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories to tell. Today we're talking with Chuck Borghese, an award-winning advertising executive who has worked on the creative campaigns of multiple large corporations with products familiar to you. He has spent nearly four decades on the creative side of advertising. He talks with us about authenticity in advertising, storytelling, targeting, and how advertising is becoming more like public relations. Chuck will tell us what you as the average American need to know about advertising and advertisers. You spent three decades doing Three decades. Three and a half decades. It's got to have changed markedly in three decades. I'll tell you, the... um, the what you mentioned there in the beginning, especially the Mad Men uh, uh, phenomenon. I mean, if you if you if you if you watch that show the way I watched it, <coughs> which is it's which like is, me which watching is, lawyer shows. Yeah, exactly. Which <laughs> which you it, I I I recommend not watching it that way. But anyway, there's a moment in that show um, that uh, that everything was changing, and. It was. I. I. I want to say it was. It was in the second half of the show. Second half of the run. Um, they started taking notice of a of a little agency on Madison Avenue called. They called it DDB, which is what it's called now, which is the last big agency I worked at. Um, but at the time, it was more referred to as Doyle Dane Bernbach, uh-huh. and um, Bernbach was the creative director. And the the visionary of that agency, they they had they had formed uh, uh, joined forces at a different agency. These three guys, <clears throat> and they were um, you know they were doing everything the right way at this one place they worked at, but they were they were running up against uh, resistance. And the the difference uh, when you say like the advertising being uh, sort of pushed at you um, was uh, the moment that it changed was when Bernbach took it from uh, authoritative. Uh, work where, um, you know, people would tell you, you know, I always use the example, um, you know, green is the color of kitchens from now. You know, it's like it's like GE would tell the consumers, like, right. this is what you want. Um, this is the, you know, you need a big car. You need the And, and uh, Bernbach came along and uh, turned authority into authenticity and thought, uh, you know, the person on the receiving end of this work is every bit as smart, talented, and um, critical as as the people pushing the work out. So let's respect that, and uh, um, you know make that uh, make that connection, <clears throat> make the connection between a brand and and people all based on sort of uh, the authenticity of the brand. Sirius XM plays uh, old. Radio shows, they have a station dedicated to old radio shows. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look, if you listen to them and look back at old television shows, you had one sponsor mm-hmm. shows. Uh, Kraft 
sponsored a, a show and Jello sponsored a show and and car dealers sponsored a, a show or cigarettes back at, sure. at, 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 <clears throat> at that point. At what point did that change? Uh, I, I, my assumption is it changed when um, when many advertisers saw the effectiveness of being on the air and uh, and the um, you know and the the outlets had saw, to make saw, more room had to make more room for it <laughs> and more money. Uh, but that was that was kind of early, um, almost early product placement. I mean, if you think about it, you know the the craft theater or the you know. Um, you know, that's, we're we're kind of uh, we're kind of almost back at that. I mean, the the in terms of of all the um, sort of the the, I mean, you see it on the you see it on the jerseys of the the soccer teams and around the world, and um, you know even the Masters. If you watch the Masters this year, you know they they'll they'll come on and and announce the three sponsors. Of course, they're they're looking to get some sort of credit for minimizing the commercial interruption, <clears throat> but they. Um, but they so partner with the with the three partners that they choose. It's usually Mercedes, General Electric, uh, big companies. Um, you know they're 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 eager to to let the audience know that these are our three uh, partners, and they really look at it that way. So um, uh, I think they've I think the the masters have figured out a way uh, to make that make that a positive. You know, but. Uh, you know, and they, of course, they were they were sort of forced to go there with uh, with a lot of controversy, right. um, just picking a, a limited amount of, of commercial uh, sponsors. So, we talked about going to authenticity from sort of the command type of advertising. In your three decades, you were there at a, an amazing time of change. Yeah. I mean, we talk about media changing now in the news business and otherwise. You were sort of ahead of that curve in advertising. Yeah, we um, – boy, I saw a change um, and, and primarily it was in terms of how do we find people to talk to. You know, what – you know, that was the – that was the upheaval. Um, but what didn't change was um, – you know, because well, I guess I came into it in the early '80s. Uh, authenticity had already taken hold, um, and uh, storytelling stayed as important uh, as it was early in my career till what it is now. And I would say that storytelling is um, is the part of this that'll never change. You know, we'll always be trying to connect people to brands um, and try to intersect where. You know, people what 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 a consumer needs the most, uh, and what a brand can do best. So you're telling no. me every advertisement is a story. Well, no, but I mean every you know that's the I think the goal is to uh, is to find that authentic point that uh, will will make sense to people, and uh, and bring that story forward. Now, the the um, uh, the the tools that we have at our disposal, obviously everything's moved to, moving to digital. Um, I you know I never really get so hung up on you know what is the what is the current tool the tool we're going to use, um, but what's n- I don't believe ever going to change is the the need to connect um, our authentic a, a brand's authentic story with um, uh, a viewer or a consumer or a reader. 
uh, out there and try to and try to make that brand stand for something. The reason I say that is it needs to it needs to be able to um, withstand the changing world. You know, it needs to it needs to mean something. It can't just be um, you know a, a clever thought that uh, isn't rooted in truth. If it's not rooted in truth. Um, especially now with social media, that'll be found out almost immediately, discussed, and people <laughs> will move on, and you'll be left in the dust wondering what happened. Um, and that's uh, that's a that I mean I guess that that's a that's a, uh, a technology and media change that that uh, people who do what I do uh, need to need to think about. Take us on a, a, a journey, if you would. A, a sponsor, potential sponsor, uh, or client comes into an agency mm-hmm. and says, "We want to launch an ad campaign, and we've got X amount of dollars, so let's not make that an issue." Sure. Where do you start? You're on the creative side, so where do you start? Or tell us the steps that you go through. Yeah, I, I think I think the best. Let me tell you a true story. You know, oh, let me just tell fine. you a story of what, how it went. <laughs> Um, I was at uh, an agency, uh, one of the an Omnicom agency called Merkley and Partners, and um, we were we found ourselves in a new business pitch, and which is the lifeblood of the advertising agencies and marketing communication companies in general, and uh, um, you know we were we were really serious about winning this piece of business, and it was for. a multinational giant of a uh, financial uh, um, uh, company called AXA, and AXA um, was—I uh, think—I th- I want to say it was either second or third, but I think third largest financial institution on the planet Earth. Wow! And but unknown in the United States, which is you think how can you get to such a size without? Well, the world is big, and and um, this was their last. Um, you know, sort of frontier, and uh, so so we were, you know, obviously really excited to be involved in this pitch. We were up against a couple of other agencies, and uh, we really wanted to win this business. We really needed to win the business, so um, we had several meetings with them, and uh, and they told us what they believed was their challenge or their problem uh, coming into the United States. And they felt like it was obviously awareness. And we agreed with that. It was like, nobody knows who you are. We've got to, we've got to, uh, communicate that. Um, which to me as a creative person is a great opportunity. So yeah. we get to tell somebody who's, who, who a company That's is. That's a blank canvas. Blank canvas. It? And, and actually I believe that we're going to, we're going to find the truth. And if we find the truth, if we do, if we dig into it journalistically, we're going to find out what really ex- uh, exists here. And, um, and if it's, I'm sure it's great, and it'll be, it'll be a wonderful story to tell. So, they also said, but here's the thing: we also want to sell something while we're introducing ourselves to the to the to the American audience. And we were like, we sort of expected to hear that, but I was like, okay, what do you want to sell? And it was annuities, and I don't know, you know, annuities. <laughs> everybody, everybody around, everybody around the table is like, okay, annuities, great. And we looked at each other, like, what's an annuity? <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, we discovered what, it, obviously, we figured out what, a, what an annuity was, which is hard, an annuity. Um, and, uh, um, you know, it was, it turns out it was a really kind of difficult thing to, to sell. It's a, it's a complicated financial instru- instrument that's kind of an actuarial bet against how long you're going to live. So you give them 
some money, and, and it's but it's it's, so, it's sort of the oatmeal of financial investments. It is, it's, it, and you got to have money to do it. <laughs> yeah. So 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 we we ask them the normal questions. So well, why would somebody be interested in an annuity from you uh, or an annuity in general? And they said, well, they'd be interested in it from us because we are the third largest financial institution in the world, and that means we're solid, and that means we and on some level that makes some sense. And uh, so we did all these campaigns, and they were beautiful, and they were all about this global company. And I was seeing, I was seeing world travel in my future, you know, shooting everywhere, sure. <laughs> and it was going to be awesome. Um, uh, but like any good agency, we we sort of we exposed real people to this work to make sure that we were connecting on a on an on a on an authentic level, and uh, the authenticity um, meter was barely moving. And nobody was engaging with this work. I mean, and this work was, um, you know, really creative. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was moving. It was beautiful. It was all the things that, that a brief that hey, we're the third largest company and the third largest financial institution in the world would suggest. So, um, so we were struggling because uh, for one thing, we weren't going to be able to communicate in our pitch meeting that people love this campaign because they didn't. Um, so, so we put our journalist hats on and we all started talking directly to customers and we wanted to know what the deal was. And, uh, what we discovered was even people who had, you know, $2 million and they had a hundred thousand dollars just to toss into something as a sort of hedge against people with money, um, would prefer anything to, uh, to talking about their long-term financial stability. It was a subject. They, one guy said, "I'd rather have root canal than talk about this subject." And uh, we said, "Well, why? What is the? What's the?" And we had one, you know, sort of genius uh, 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 planner, which is the basically a researcher, which is basically an, uh, an investigative reporter. Um, find out what they what what the deal was, and 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 to a person, they said, "All we want is peace of mind." I have, you know, I just want to know. Almost like, kind of like what Social Security is. Like, I want to put it there. I want to forget about it. I want it to grow. I, I want done. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please don't make me talk about this. Make this go away. And this this particularly amazing planner um, said, you know, let me look at what an annuity really is. And she figured out that an annuity is is income for life, and that became the peace of mind, and that became the campaign. And so the so the so what we did was we discovered what a customer needs, not just from my point of view as an advertiser that wants to sell things, but from truly what is the thing you need. And if the it, it on that level, it will only work beautifully if what the customer needs intersects in some way if you can visualize a Venn, a very simple Venn diagram if what the of what the client offers um, intersects with what somebody needs and of course an annuity was all it was was peace of mind in <laughs> fact it was you know it was like it was a little too much peace of mind not enough it, peace of mind exactly <laughs> so um, so so that's what we sold and that's the story we told and um, to make it make to make it work, uh, which is another thing that is um, a very current and 
without it, you're really, you really, you don't have a lot of uh, possibility for great success. Is once we had a campaign, that campaign then wasn't just a television campaign; it was an online campaign. It was the way the um, the uh, salespeople at Access spoke to their potential customers. It was the way um, people spoke internally. It was all the internal communication. It was all they became of peace of mind, and um, that you know they went from not being known in the United States to having in that first year about 40% awareness, and they were actually selling uh, annuities. annuities. <laughs> so it was, um, so that, that's kind of, that, that's, that's the process. You know, they, we, we get an opportunity uh, to do some work. We get excited about the, the creative possibilities of that, but more importantly, we get excited about how, does that, how is this going to matter to somebody? And uh, that's the good work. The bad work doesn't, doesn't give that much consideration. So let's move this now to 2017. And, mm-hmm. and if I talk to, to people, uh, almost to the person, if they're internet savvy at all, say advertising is just becoming so insidious, mm. it creeps me out. Right. It scares me. I, I go to a random website and next day, Everything I see is related to camping equipment or yeah. or uh, cardigan sweaters or whatever the the product, and and it's people are looking at me and watching me and targeting me and and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It, it. Talk about that process. I mean, we've now got to a place where talk about targeting. Yeah. I was looking most recently at um, – like I want to buy these – I'm interested in a vintage uh, Toyota FJ40. Okay. And it almost feels now like the like a vintage Toyota FJ40 has the biggest advertising budget in America because everywhere I go, there it is. <laughs> um, that that – um, because I'm interested in it right now, um, I kind of like seeing it. I'm kind of interested in seeing it. Um, but uh, uh, really, it's it, all it is is like a like a reminder at this point. I think we'll I think we'll really succeed when the story that we're telling, like it, like I would be way more interested in the in the the, the Toyota in vintage Toyota FJ40 if they understood why I'm interested in this, and that story followed me from. Platform to platform to platform. I would that would be because it reaffirms because of, your, exactly. your your feelings. Yeah, right now all I feel badgered, you know, as opposed to, and I think that that's really truly where it's going. And I think that that's that's a technology um, um, sort of uh, genius that I think is I think is going to take place. Um, if I were to think think what is what's coming up later, twenty twenty five, I think it's I think I think the story following us. The connection and the authenticity following us—that's—that's that's going to be hard. It's easy to say, you know, to uh, you know, to affix cookies to you and and yeah. to have a, you know something chase you around. Um, but uh, what's going to be difficult is making it have value, making it have message value. And I think that that I think once that happens, it'll become a little less intrusive, you know. And it's sort of the same as, you know. 
it's it's uh, it's a microcosm or or bigger than uh, as um, you know when when the business went from from authority to authenticity. You know, it was like it's like we're we're just sort of learning how to follow. You know, sort of be there for you when you're when you're crossing your when you're going from your TV to your tablet and to your phone. You know, if we can make that story uh, continue. And, and and add value, then it's going to be great. If all we're doing is badgering you, then I think it's going to it's it, it'll the technology will hurt itself. So with your advertiser hat on, or with your creative hat on, I should say, how much do you know about me as the consumer out there? Well, I'm a I. It's interesting. Um, I'm a very specific part of the business. I went to school here, left here as a copywriter, um, and spent my entire career in the creative department. So, so I'm a consu- I was on some level a consumer of research, uh, where you know the the, uh, uh, the agency would do the sort of the in, in, the investigative reporting and 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 come to a conclusion, um, an insight into what what makes the brand tick. Um, Sort of what the problem is, what what, real, what really a brand is facing, and that would all be um, thought about and 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 handed to me, and and then of course I had a role as I became a creative director in deciding whether well the you know what I know about this brand you know we're, we're maybe here's where we're we're disconnecting a little bit but but in general, um, you know I was on the 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 point of the chain, I was on the the, the messaging to. Uh, to people, so um, I, what I knew about people, and what I knew about who I was talking to, um, was not so much the what people what worries people. Whereas, like, oh, they know what websites I'm seeing. Yeah, know the that, personal, you know, yeah, personal matter. It wasn't. It wasn't that for me. It was more um, hopes and dreams, and who the person is, and. Uh, you know, as a you know, who who are 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 the snapshot of our customer um, uh, believes and what their socioeconomic situation is, and 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 sort of more both macro and micro sort of understanding of people. So it wasn't it wasn't so much like where you know it's like you know you're into certain sports and you know so I have to you know, target it that way. It was more, it was broader than that. You know, it was more the, um, the human and, uh, and where they are. But, but for a while, if I, if I remember your career correctly, you were doing, you were doing what I would call bookends. You, you were doing Mercedes Benz mm-hmm. and Golden Corral. Sure. <laughs> you know, Mercedes Benz for, uh, an upwardly mobile, Clientele and Golden Corral for the more average family sure. uh, going out and looking for a bargain. Right. Uh, it, it, well, the the Golden Corral. It's interesting going out and looking for bargains isn't necessarily what it is. It's going out to enjoy ourselves as a family, and to you know, it's it's funny. We always said that uh, even in a recession, um, and even for for whom a recession hits the hardest. Um, that once a week or once a month dining out experience um, was the last thing to go. And knowing, understanding that was the big aha moment for me where I got to um, sort of 
what I hoped for was that the work would sort of uh, revel in that, you know, and it would be it would be like this moment of enjoyment, this moment of anticipation. That to me is knowing the customer, you know. Do now do I know? Uh, you know, are there some more nitty gritty things to know about them? Sure, but but what's more important is knowing why. Why is this in, why is this important to them? Why does it you know same thing as with Mercedes Benz? It's a it's a different it's a different socioeconomic situation, but there's still a hope and desire. There's still a, uh, a, a an aspirational a, a, kind of yeah, approach. and 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 you and you can see it in the way Mercedes Benz offers different levels of vehicles. You know, it's like they get people into their brand on a lower sort of even sometimes we used to promote uh, pre-owned cars, get people into the brand, get them understanding. The the quality of it and the success that it sort of connotes, you know, and and um, and then bring them along as their li- as their career advances. It was almost like we they looked at they looked at Mercedes Benz customers as clients, where they would you know they would they they advance them through the the different levels of car. In fact, we were one time we were working on a on a a, a B class Mercedes, which is a small. If you're in Europe, you've seen all these little right. Mercedes. And at the last minute, they decided, "Now we're gonna, we're not gonna come to the states with that. We'll come to the states with the smart car, which is a different brand, also owned by Mercedes. But let's not come with this little tiny Mercedes that'll cost twenty thousand dollars, because that in the United States will bruise our brand. You know, will will make us look like we're we're trying to, uh, you know, mean, you know, be be more entry level sort of car. And they didn't want that. They wanted people that had this aspiration. We'll be back." After this message, the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University seeks to not only educate its students about today's communication industry, but to produce innovative leaders. These leaders will shape the future of communication and its methods of delivery in a rapidly changing technological landscape. Scripps provides leadership in communication by preparing students to be effective and responsible communicators in a global society, and by advancing the field through creative activity and research on communication concepts, issues, and problems. The Scripps College of Communication fosters multicultural awareness within a diverse community. It strives to create a climate of civility where leadership and innovation are prized and responsibility and accountability are understood. The college values curriculum, research, and creative activity that provides benefits to people regionally, nationally, and globally. You can learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. What do advertisers want now? And and let me frame this a, a little bit. Okay. Anybody that I've talked to that sell ads, and that wasn't your job. Your your job was to create the ads that get sold. Right. But anybody that I talk to who sells ads say advertisers are more demanding. They, they, it's no longer good to toss something in a newspaper or a general circulation magazine if you can find them and, and hope that somebody gets it. It's target, 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 target. Is that true? I think um, 
I do think that's true on a lot of levels. I think that I think advertising now, uh, for me, is starting to feel a little bit more like public relations. You know, where we're where we are talking almost individually to people, um, and uh, I think that uh, you know as we're crossing as there as platforms are proliferating, I think people I think advertisers want what they spend on one platform to impact what's happening on another platform. So it's not just, you know, you're not just spending money over here that has no meaning. And also across different executions of, of, of advertising, you know, it's like all the different, you know, if I, if, I, if I do one piece today, I want the next one I do, I want the, the money I spent today to inform the money I'm going to spend later so that it all starts, starts to build on each other. It builds and expands and at it, the same time. Exactly. Vertically and horizontally. Right. And uh, so I think that advertisers want that. I think they want their, you know, the, the really smart ones want their truth to be uh, known. Um, I know that sound, that may sound a little high-minded, but but the the ones that do great are the ones that that stand for something and and have a story to tell. Um, and I think that they they they're they're you know intensely um, aware that uh, you know what the the money they're spending needs to advance that that notion. I mean, you see it in. Uh, in native advertising, a lot of people don't like native advertising. Yeah, and define uh, that for our it's, listeners. It's uh, it's 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 advertising that sort of fits the um, the content that it's on. You know, so it's so one of those articles that has really small by, in the top. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> advertising. Now, I, I like there. them when they're when that sponsorship is more obvious and and not. Um, so clandestine, because I think that I think that that hurts with the authenticity. I think I think anything for me, my my radar is anything that's 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 not adding to the authentic nature of a brand is is detracting from it. So if we did, if you if you go on BuzzFeed at, with a native piece that it's hard to tell that it is. Uh, to me, that's I think that's damaging. And if I do find out that it is, then I'm pissed. If it, if it, yeah, especially if it didn't really add value. So if it, so like, like for the 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 New York Times is great at this. They have a they have a studio called the uh, uh, T Brand Studios, and it's and it's completely walled off from uh, the the uh, you know the news division, and they do deep dives on brands that uh, to me is the future of of online advertising, online com- marketing communications, uh, where. You know that's where you truly find. If you go, if you go, go and look at their work, you'll see that all the brands they do, they've done sort of investigative reporting that would tell you what the brand is. I, in fact, I, I assign it in my classes. It's, uh, it's the, uh, the, the. I saw one recently uh, for Lincoln Continental. Now I used to be in that business with Mercedes Benz, and I would see white papers all the time based on. What luxury means to people, why why luxury is important, all those things, right down to, you know, uh, you know, sometimes some of the most important elements of a of an expensive car are the inexpensive things like cup holders and you know the the little pieces that when you see how much better that is, you know, it's like oh, it makes you feel great about about spending the money on a car. You know, you know the engine's good, you're not, but you're not really a. That's not your area. But if you got that real wood inside, yeah, and the, and and the, the steering wheel feels <laughs> great. And um, and Lincoln did a whole piece on the meaning of luxury. Now, I used to, I used to 
I was a reader of those white papers, but that wasn't for the consumer. That was for me to understand why that was so important. Now, here was Lincoln putting that out in the world through the New York Times, uh, a link on the, you know, it's a, it was a link on their website. And it was very well uh, identified as Lincoln, Lincoln Motor, Lincoln Mercury, whatever the, their, their brand is. And, uh, and it was kind of an inside look into the meaning, like why I want luxury, why if, I, you know, if I'm that kind of person. And at first I'm reading this and thinking, wow, are they, are they kind of letting the cat out of the bag? Um, but then you read it in that context and you see how, how much learning there is into it and how much it works. And it works because it, it has journalistic elements. It has authenticity. It's real. It's, it's a really beautiful look. It's a, it's a wonderful read. And all of a sudden now I'm even understanding a little bit about myself. And that to me is – I don't know if it can get any better than that, you know, where, where you get why – uh, a brand does what a brand does and uh, and see how they execute it perfectly. Two other areas that I wanted to chat with you about, and, and one is just on a personal level. Share with us one of the biggest challenges you had and, and, and that you ended up successfully uh, meeting. The, I think the biggest challenge that, um, that we faced um, – was uh, in the uh, we were we were pitching the Arby's business, and Arby's was going through um, a period where they were they were struggling. Um, there wasn't a lot of news. It was um, you know people weren't sure um, of the quality, and the, it was a little more expensive, um, and it was it was way more remote. So the challenge was was pretty deep, where. Um, you know, you had to drive by several other restaurants to get to an Arby's. And if there was no news at the Arby's, you know, if there was nothing happening, it's like, well, how, do you, how are we going to get inspire people uh, to go to this thing? And, uh, and I think we learned um, that, that the answer to that was going to be – finding the answer to that was going to be really difficult based on who they were at, the, at that moment. So um, – what we discovered was that people wanted something new from them. You know, they liked them. There was some. There, there was there was a, a memory. It was like, yeah, that's a. I like that place. It was roast beef, I think. You know, and it's that that melted cheese and you know all these things. Um, but uh, you know, kind of dusty. You know, kind of meaningless at this point. Didn't stand for anything. And um, what we figured out was. Um, if they could make some little changes and uh, make the food something that we would call craveable uh, and really and, – and, and think about it in those terms um, and, the, and the phrase was something different, something better. That was our mantra. We, we, our, our mantra was constantly something different, something better. What can we do that's different and better? Um, and, we, and, and we came up with a campaign uh, that if they did those things and – they uh, and that was their plan, you know, to to you know, um, and if we if we pick the right food and we pick the right message, uh, could we inspire people to drive past and spend a little more money? Drive past two Burger Kings, a McDonald's, three Subways, and get find themselves at a um, at a at an Arby's. Um, could we? How can we inspire them to do that? That was a challenge that um, uh, seemed really difficult. 
And uh, we succeeded in, in helping them uh, – uh, or inspiring them, or you know, they were on the board. I mean, they were they right. wanted to do this work um, to to to, uh, to to pick the kind of food that would get in your brain that you would have to have. And we followed that with a campaign that showed if the food is this amazing, it's all you can think about. And that turned into this campaign called "I'm Thinking Arby's," where the hat appeared over the head of the person who was inspired. Um, and they could think of nothing else. Now, what was so – it seems so simple and almost like basic, you know. But what was authentic about that was if they – if at 1130 in the morning when you're starting to think about lunch, if we could put in your mind and it was true that they had something that was so unusually good that um, – about 11.30, I stopped thinking about work, and I could only think about getting to Arby's for this thing, um, that we had a chance. And it actually worked. And um, it, was, uh, it was, to me, that was a, you know, the, the agency was a little unsettled with, you know, fast food is really difficult, um, notoriously um, short-term for agencies. Agencies lo- win and lose fast business pretty quickly. Um, it was uh, it was a uh, it was to me the 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 it was a great success and uh, and I think it wasn't because we came up with some cool you know creative thought you know it was more that we understood that it's lunchtime is uh, you know sort of tough you know if you're if you're a company that's selling lunchtime um, it's a that's a hard dollar to get your hands on and and. Uh, we wanted we didn't want to do it just with a you know you know like a like a a, a slogan and uh you know a, a a disposable idea we wanted to make it real but it seems like their current campaign build on your campaign I think it in, did. in the sense that their current campaign is to remind listeners is we've got the meats but again it's you know if you think of others fast foods you think of hamburgers or whatever and they're going we've got this variety right right and they they but they, it seems that that what you were talking about it's stepping stones you have a success at one level and then you build right a, we had to, i think what we had to do was build that they were a craveable thing yeah and then now they're talking about it in terms of pure crave, almost like animal instinct. And if you're uh, a carnivore, if you're you a carnivore, <laughs> you it's like uh, yeah. So so I, I agree, and I think that the, I think that I love that campaign. So I'm I'm really happy for them, and uh, um, they they are they are, and it's doing well. So so you can't it's you can't beat that. You teach now. Uh, you still do your creative work, but you teach also. Uh, in the few minutes that we have left, talk about what you're telling students they're going to go into five years from now, 10 mm-hmm. years from now, 15 years from now. Uh, you've spent three decades at it, and you've seen the change that we've sort of outlined. Uh, what do you tell students? What what tools do you give them in their toolbox? I see a lot of seniors, and I see them at the end of their college career and they're all you know most of them don't want to leave here yet because they loved it here <laughs> right but uh, you know a lot of them a lot of them are sort of you know eager for what what's next and um, you know I, I on I, I try to make the semester very real world so I try to um, show them the 
the the sort of the beautiful chaos of the of the business and and the um, how it's a every day is different and new and fun and and uh, on that level I'm 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 you know I think I'm a good messenger because I try to show them that there's nothing there that this, it never felt like work it was it was always this joy it was like we're getting to create we're getting to tell stories. Um, yeah, it's advertising. It's not like writing a film, but it is. Um, if you do it, if you do it authentic with with a with a great deal of authenticity, and you respect the listener or the viewer or the reader, um, and you're and you're connecting with them on a level that they want to be connected on. Uh, there's nothing. There's no more fun. There's nothing better. To, I just couldn't figure out a better way to spend my my career. So, um, I really do spend a lot of time on truth and the the you know here we are we're we're doing you know creative marketing communication and we're in the journalism school and that's a great thing that we're in the journalism school because that means we are we are seeking you're grounded in truth in truth and that's the and 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 I I you know I actually can't predict what in 10 years the 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 you know, when everybody's saying, well, everything's digital, you know, it'd probably be still, you know, digital on some level, but, you know, there's going to be, you know, maybe it'll be more virtual reality or, or, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, but what I do know is from 1964 till now in the future, it's going to be storytelling and authenticity. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to, that's going to matter to people. It's going to be finding people, finding what makes somebody tick and respecting that and honoring that with a message that is true, that can only, that can truly only come from the brand you're working on. Like what is the only, what is the thing about this brand that is, um, that is absolutely, we, we do this project, um, for, um, for KitKat. Um, and the Kit Kat bar to me is a sort of microcosm into human nature, you know, because if I had a Kit Kat bar here and I opened it up and I started eating it without offering you some, it would be weird, you know, because it's the way it's built. It's built to share. And, you know, I feel like the brand on some level has missed that boat, yeah. you know, really understand. So we do this thing. We did a native piece, semester long native piece on the authentic uh, on the the our human nature as human beings to share and how KitKat is the only brand in the world I think that is was made entirely for that reason because the way it's shaped the way it's sp- stamped out and everything it's like a sharing moment um that to me is uh is what we do you know that to me is what I communicate what is what is authentic? What is what is true? It's gonna ne- that thing is never gonna change. Um, and if we can get you know, like I think people kids come into it thinking, you know, I've got to come up with some clever thing. And to me, clever clever has never really been the problem. Clever, you know, we'll always get to clever, but can we get to true? And that's the that's the the big deal. Chuck, it's a pleasure. And uh, we really appreciate your insights. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. 
Today, we've been talking with award-winning veteran advertising executive Chuck Borghese about how advertising has changed over his almost four decades in the business and what those changes mean to you. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email at hodson at ohio.edu. That's Hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu.